Let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. The question we looked at last time was, uh, how are you doing? And how's your faith? And Paul really wanted to know about the Thessalonians. He really wanted to know about them. He really wanted... How much did he want to know? He really wanted to know about them. And he wanted to go there. He wanted to go there personally, but he wasn't able to. But in that passage we looked at, there were three, three points that I made. One is that we all need help. Every single one of us needs help. And when he couldn't go himself, he sent Timothy. And, and, uh, but he also wrote these incredible letters to us that we can look at and read now. And Satan just doesn't win, even though Satan was one that tried to stop him from going, but he, he wanted to strengthen and to encourage them in their faith. He cared about them, and he wanted to strengthen them and encourage them in their faith. Number two, point number two is that we all face trials. Every one of us faces trials. Don't be surprised, Peter said. Someone else said Christians must expect troubles, but these are not disasters. They're not disasters, for they advance God's purposes. God uses these things in our lives. Say, but I don't really want trials. I, I wish I could not have any troubles, trials. That word uh, is uh, the word, remember, anybody remember the Greek word? Can anybody say it from last two weeks ago? It's a long time, two weeks ago. I, I understand that. I can barely remember yesterday. Philipsis, remember that? Philipsis. And it means pressure. It means anguish. It means burdens. It means trouble. And, and Jesus said, I, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world... You will have trouble, but be of good cheer, he says, for I have overcome the world. So these things, they, if, if God is having his way in our life, they're driving us to him to find the peace that we need. They help us to grow. They enable us to help others. They achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs the trial, the trouble, the pressure. Say, well, I don't always see that. I don't always understand that. But that's why we trust in a God that's bigger than we are. Because he does. He sees it. He knows. He understands. He's working it out. All things working together for good. Uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit. I went to California, not this week past, but the one before. But, but when I was away, how come things happen when you're away? Right? The delivery driver backs into the telephone pole at our house, right? And breaks some kind of wire up there, and so then our house is like all lit up like a Christmas tree, but the, I mean, every socket in the house is now fired up, and everything is like starting to fry up, and uh, you know, my neighbor calls me and says, you know, hey, they just ran into the telephone pole. I said, oh, great. So I call my wife. She says, yeah, they ran into the telephone Everything is going crazy here, and what, what, what should we do? And I'm going like, whoa, whoa. So just a little trial, you know. I guess if you talk about having trials, you got to have trials, right? I can't just say, well, you are going to have trials, but not me. I'm not going to have any trials. <laughs> and, and enjoy your trials, but I've, I've already faced all my trials in the past. And then, you know, so our heating system got burned up. It was out for four days. Thank, thankfully, it was not that cold. Our, you know, our stove is not working correctly. You know, and then a bunch of other stuff just kind of fried up. So we're now in the process of, of 
taking care of all that stuff. Our heat got back on on Monday, thankfully. But we're all going to face trials. And number three, we're all in a battle. And our faith is being attacked. And really, the, the, the tempter, it says there, he's attacking us, but what he really wants us to do is to stop trusting. He wants to attack our faith that we'd stop trusting in God. We'd, we'd, we would just either give up or think, well, I can handle this. I can take care of this. And Really foolishness. Today, I want to look at sort of like part two. It's really kind of following on from those verses is, is uh, this idea of, of how you're doing. And, you know, when you get this response, I'm glad you asked. That's never good. When, when you ask someone, how are you doing? And they say, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't have asked. Typically, typically, and I'll speak for myself, typically, and I think it's probably true for most of us, we really don't want to know. At least we don't want to know right now. We just say, what, you know, how are you doing? And, and maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's true that we need to work on that. So we care about people. And, and see what their answer is. Let's go to the next one here. These are the five answers that, and the survey said, um, these are the five answers that, that really we get, right? The first one, not so good. The second one, so-so. The, the, the third one, that's, what, that's our typical. That's the middle of the road. That's the answer, good. And that sort of takes care of it. End of discussion, or maybe great, someone says, but then, then there are those that answer the question and they say, fantastic. Most of us just say C, right? If I ask you, how are you doing? What are you going to answer me today? You guys lie so much. <laughs> you know, um, when someone asks me that, to be honest with you, someone asks me that, I get a little bit nervous. Do you ever get nervous about that? And so you just say, good. So, like, i got to cut this off right now. i gotta, I got to nip this in the bud because I do not want to go. And I, and I don't know if this person even cares about me, and I don't really, really want to tell them my whole story. But then there are some that will always say either A or E. Don't you just hate that? They either say, you know, oh, I'm having such a terrible time, or they'll just say, fantastic, and you go like, you make me, you make me angry. What do you mean you're doing fantastic? I'm doing terrible. I'm not going to tell you, but... And then you got to listen to them tell them how good everything is, and you're just going like, you know. What are you? What's wrong with you? So how are you doing? And, and, well, I'm glad you asked. And that's kind of what we're seeing in this passage here. Paul really wanted to know. He really, really, really wanted to know how they were doing. It wasn't just a, a greeting. It wasn't just a, like a passing thing. Well, it's good to know. And, you know, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. Let's move on. Let's look what happens here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting verse 6. He says there, <clears throat> see, I'm not in the right book here. Hold on. He says, and again, I mentioned that he'd sent Timothy because he couldn't go. He says, but Timothy has just now come to us from you, and he's brought good news about your faith and love. And he's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. 
Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again, face to face, I'll add, and supply what is lacking in your faith. The Proverbs say in chapter 25, verse 25, it says this, like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. And that's what was happening here with Paul. He got, this, he got the word back from Timothy. He wanted to go himself, but he couldn't. Timothy comes back and gives him the, the good news. And it was just like cold water to a weary soul. Paul was so excited. Paul was so happy to hear about that. And, and again, did, Paul really wanted to know. And it wasn't just like, oh, it's, it's good to hear, you know, you're doing all right. Paul, it, it, it like made his day, made his life. It, it cheered him up. It encouraged him in the middle of, as we read there, his persecution and his distress. Interestingly enough, in this word, in, in, uh, in, in verse 6, it says he's brought good news. It's the same word that's used for the gospel. So, you know, the gospel is like the good news, right? But Paul's saying, Lord, when, when I got word back from, from the Thessalonians, it was like good news. It was like gospel stuff. It was like really good to hear about what happened back there. Do we really care about people like that? You know, Paul is like challenging us. He's challenging me. As I mentioned, I just got back from my trip and, uh, and uh, from California and people... You know, people say, well, how was your trip? And how was your brother? And how was your parents? And, and I'm wondering, do they really want me to tell them? Or is it just like, oh, good, it's good. And I could just end it right there and say, oh, it was just good. It was good. Can you all say that with me? Just say good. Good. It's all over and we'll go home now. We'll go down the potluck. Just end it. How was the Bible say it was good? Let's go downstairs. How's the passage? Good, let's just go down and say Just the, the standard M-O-R answer, right? Middle of the road. But how many of your lives are like M-O-R, middle of the road? Maybe they are right this second, but, but day after day, is that where you live? That's not where, that's not where I live. I'm glad you asked about my trip, though, because here it comes. <laughs> First, I want to play a couple of very short videos uh, the first one is my brother, Michael, who I've talked about before, who in June I got the call saying he had 48 hours to live, and I went and saw him, and now it's five months later, and he's, he's still uh, hanging in there, and he accepted the Lord and um, back then in June. And, and, um, and then the second one is uh, from my mother and my father, it's like home videos, you know, they're very short, though. But the reason that, that I want to show these is, number one, is because uh, they were kind of in this situation where my brother can't go and see them, and my parents can't go up and see him. They live about four or five hours away by car. And uh, so they just don't travel. Neither of them can travel. So I was trying to set up a Skype thing, but it just wasn't working. But so all I could do was kind of like take video and then and then take it down to my parents and show them and then send some video up to 
uh, one of the brothers up there, and he could show my brother. So let's just show those real quick, uh, Tony. Hello? You, you can start talking now. Hi, Mom, Dad. I miss you both. I guess this is close we're going to get right now, but we're going to still try and get it together for tomorrow. But Richard made it, and two of my friends, Glenn and Dave, are here. Uh, they just came. Oh, 20 minutes before Richard got here. But. Yeah, we had, they were checking the power, so we didn't have no electricity for a little while. And I got scared, but. I had oxygen bottles, so. But I'm sure miss you and want to like to see you. I want to see you both. They're your friends. There they are over there. There's Glenn and Dave. <laughs> there we go. All right, that's good, Michael. Okay. I, I love. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Glad you look so good. Yeah, you look like you're ready to climb on a bike and get ready to go. Yeah, it's just about good to see that you're eating too. And we love you. Wish yeah. we could come up, but I just can't travel that far. But uh, know that we think about you every day and pray for you and love you. What else? <laughs> I guess goodbye sounds good. Huh? Bye for now. Bye well, for bye now. Bye for now. <laughs> what else? <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. My mom is like 91, and my uh, father is 83. And so, uh, how was your trip? It was good. <laughs> I went to see my brother first, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was on the plane and I had this idea, I thought, I just want to pray that it just it would be like a missions trip, you know. And, and it was so weird. I got, I got there to the nursing home where he lives and I went into the nursing home and, and he's sitting there in his wheelchair and the two brothers are there. And I, it was like I felt like I was in Nicaragua. It was the weirdest experience. I felt like I was on a missions trip and, and I was there in Nicaragua. It was incredible. And so we talked for a while and then we went back to the room and uh, with these two brothers and uh, it, it, those two guys, let me tell you what, you know, it, it's just, you know, Paul couldn't go to Thessalonica, but he sent Timothy. And like, I can't be in California, I can't be in Bakersfield, but there's these two brothers now, Dave and Glenn, and, and these guys go every week. And it's like twice a week. They each go separately. They go twice a week to visit him. I'm going like, wow, I wouldn't even go visit him that much if I lived next door. And, and see how God works things out, and it's just incredible. But um, when, when they were leaving that day, you know, we, we prayed together. We stood up. We all stood up, and Michael doesn't stand up very often. 
And uh, he has, for those of you who don't know, he has COPD, he can barely breathe, he's got oxygen all the time, and he can barely walk across the room without being completely out of breath. And uh, so we stood up to pray together, and we're like holding on to each other, and these four guys are there in this uh, nursing home room, and we, we all prayed, and Michael prayed, and uh, it, was, it was incredible. But that's what made it all worth it, you know, for me to spend that extra time and and extra expense to go there. Later on that, that evening, um, can we go to a couple pictures ahead? Not that one. That one there. That's Michael's son, his, his uh, oldest son. Michael has, um, I don't know how many kids, I lost track of how many kids he had by a lot of different situations. And, and, but this is his oldest son, and... Um, he has been in prison for the last two and a half, almost three years. And, and, uh, but you know what? Um, I'm supposed to be his godfather, right? And uh, I still remember it was a Greek Orthodox church. We went and they, they like baptized them when they're just little babies, you know. And, and uh, um, my mother was there. And this is a long time ago, obviously. And uh, we went in there and, and the, the priest said, no, he, he can't be the godfather. He's not Greek Orthodox. And my mother said, oh, really? And she went back in some room and talked to him. And they came back out and everything was fine. <laughs> I don't know what she did or said, but it was pretty cool. But, but I, you know, I, don't, I, I can say I haven't really taken that responsibility all that seriously. But, you know, uh, despite my failings, God has been working on that young man. And, and God met him in prison. And God put him together with another believer there in prison, and, and both these guys are on fire. It's unbelievable. So he had just gotten out like three weeks ago, and he was living in a halfway house, but I met him at a laundromat because he was there washing his clothes from all the bed bugs at the, um, at the uh, halfway house. He said he never had bugs in prison, but then the halfway house. Anyways, the, but, but just to be there with him. And this is something I'm seeing in this passage over and over again. Just to be there with him face to face and actually give him a hug and shake his hand and to look into his face. There's something about the reality of, of face to face contact with people. I think we need to be very careful now and nowadays with all the technology that we kind of miss out on that. And, and for us to be here and, and to... Uh, be face to face now. It was a, it was just incredible, and just to see there was a peace about this, this young man, and that his desire to follow God was, was evident. I could just see it in that short amount of time that I spent there with him. But, you can see he's got the tattoos all over his arms. He's, he, uh, he's had quite a, quite a life up to this point in time. But, but he's turned his life to Jesus Christ, and that's what's making a difference. Michael wasn't so good in the morning. I tried to talk to him about our temporary home here. And for him, it's a nursing home. And all along, he has hated being there. He does not want to be in a nursing home. How many, you know, are look forward to being in a nursing home? But the truth of the matter is that the nursing home has kept him alive because he was way over-medicating, way out of control, not eating. And now he's there. It's all regulated. It's all very, it's all very stable. And it's kept him alive all these five months. Sometimes the things that God puts in our lives, we, we, we chafe against. We don't really like. I don't really want to be there. But how do we know that that's not what the temporary solution is for God to keep us alive? 
for God to keep us going. And, and, uh, but, but, you know, our permanent home is in heaven. Our permanent home is in heaven. Now, my folks, uh, just a few more words about my trip. My folks, I went, you know, I left him and then went down to see them. And, and really, uh, for me, uh, it's challenging. Because I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But I'm getting up there, you know. And then for, for when you go to visit your folks and they're like treating you like you're like 12 or something. Most of my mom does that. Any of you have mothers that do that? Go get that cup over there, Richard, and I want you to put that away now. Richard, can you go get me that over there? Richard, I need this. I'm going, ah. And so for me, it's like just to serve and just to not complain and not to, like, get, you know, agitated about that. And, and uh, they always have a little list of fix-it things that I need to do when I get there. And we joke about it. You know, I say, you know, well, you got to feed me first before I can do any more work. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of tired now. I did that last job. And they're only small jobs. But, we, but for me, to just, to just serve and not complain and do things and try to have fun, just try to lighten things up a little bit. You know, we get so serious. Some of you look so serious right now, like lighten up a little bit. Let's have some fun, right? You know, that's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, you know, enjoy the life that you have that God's given you right now. Yeah, there's trials and troubles and there's all kinds of stuff going on, but, but God has given us a sense of humor and, and to just have a little bit of fun sometimes, just lighten up a little bit. We all, you know, we all need that, I think. I know I do. And so I just trying to try to have a little bit of fun there. And, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of sharing directly until it was time to eat. And they know that when it's time to eat, we're going to hold hands and we're going to pray. They know that. They, they just stick their hands right out. They know. We can't eat until we pray. And so then I try not to go too long in my prayer, but, but I just pray. And I just pray for the God. I pray the gospel. I pray, you know, God help us all. God, let us follow you. Let us serve you. Let us, you know, thank you for the cross. And, and uh, is that underhanded? No, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Do it. You got Thanksgiving come up, coming up. Well, maybe they don't want to hear a whole message about Jesus, but say, you know, hey, it's Thanksgiving. Can I say the prayer? And I, I like personally to hold hands together. Maybe they, they don't do that in your, in your family. Hold hands? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to hold someone's hand, especially not somebody, you know, like. The hands are all sweaty anyways. It's like weird. <laughs> so don't hold hands. But can, can you say, can I say a prayer? And just pray. Just be thankful, thankful for what God has given to you and God has given to each one of us and the blessings that we have in our lives. And give hugs. And give kisses because you know what? How often can you be together with these people? How often do you get that chance? You know, don't let it just pass you by. Let's, let's realize what we have, these opportunities that we have. They're very limited. I may never see my mother again on this earth. I may never see my brother again. I only go out there twice a year if, if it works out. So to hug him and just give a, you know, give a kiss and, and kiss on the cheek, you know. It's incredible. 
Paul couldn't go to Thessalonica, but Timothy could, and so he went. And he got to be there with them. That's what we see in verse 6, back to the passage again. Timothy just now came back, brought this good news about their faith and their love. There was something there. There was something that, that, that stirred Timothy and that he saw. He, he saw they had faith and they had love. They had faith and they had love. And, and for you and I, is that what people see in our lives? Or, or is it just complaining and moaning and whining? And, and do we have our eyes in the wrong place? Faith is, is, is trusting in Jesus Christ, trusting in Him, putting our eyes and our, and our hope upon Him. Paul said to the Ephesians, he said, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. It's something people hear, something people can see. And Timothy came back and he said, man, I just I got back from this trip and and I saw faith and I saw love. And and that's what family is. That's what it is. He said that that they they wanted to see Paul. They had good memories and they wanted to see Paul and Paul wanted to see some. See, then there was this family thing. And, and again, this idea it just keeps coming back to me for the last few weeks about being together about being together. Shake, shake someone's hand right now. Let's just do that real quick. It'll only take you like one second. Shake someone's hand. Go ahead. You can shake your wife's hand. That's all right. It's okay. You want to shake my hand? Look at that. See, she's not afraid. That, that didn't even hurt. Look at that. Didn't even hurt somebody. You know, um, Val talked about the uh, chapel over at, at West Bay, and, you know, I get kind of crazy over there. I'm actually, like, running. I'm all up through the aisles and stuff. You'd think I, I'm a different person. But, you know, we can have a little bit of fun, right? We can have a little bit of, of contact with one another. It's okay. Paul was so encouraged by that. Timothy got to go, and Paul didn't say, well, you, you know, I'm mad at you because you got to go. Paul, no, Paul sent him, and he was so excited. He, he was so encouraged by that. Look what it says in verse 7. We were encouraged by what they had heard. We were encouraged about you because of your faith. It, it goes both way, ways. Paul was wanting to encourage and strengthen the believers over there in Thessalonica. He sent Timothy down there. But when Timothy came back, Paul was encouraged. You see, it goes both ways. Every one of us need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged. I need to, be, to hear if something's, you know, the good stuff that's going on in your life. I, I, and I, I want to hear about the bad stuff, too, so I can pray for you. And, and, and life isn't always like down the middle of the row, right? But we all need to be encouraged. They encouraged Paul and the others that were with Paul. And, and Paul, you know, sent to encourage them. Well, how were they doing? It wasn't just good. It wasn't just good, Right? Everything wasn't perfect in their lives back in Thessalonica. Everything certainly wasn't pleasant, uh, perfect in, in Paul's life uh, where he was. In fact, it says he was facing distress and persecution. Distress and per persecution he was facing. Not that everything is going to be perfect, but he was encouraged by what? By their faith. He was encouraged because of their faith that they were holding on to Jesus. That's what faith is, holding on, trusting in Jesus. 
Bottom line, that's what's going to get us through this life. That bottom line, that's what's going to get us to heaven, that you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not that we're religious people or quote-unquote spiritual people, but that we have a, a real and true relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Wow. It's like they were holding their breath. Paul was really worried about them. He was concerned about how they were doing spiritually back there. He was worried about it. And then he finally got the word back and it was like he could breathe again. Now we really live. It just, again, the, the life of Paul is so challenging. It's so incredibly, he cared about people so much. He cared about how they were doing. He didn't care about stuff. He cared about their walk with Jesus. He cared about other people, not just himself. He wasn't consumed with himself. Someone said this, the suspense of not knowing had been a living death to him, and now life quickly returned. He said, now we really live. Now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. We read a few weeks back that, that the enemy is like a roaring lion. I'll quote to you from 1 Peter chapter 5, looking for someone to, to devour, and he prowls around. And it says, Peter says, resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The enemy is trying again to attack our faith, trying to get us to, to quit trusting. To just give up. Just go back to the world. Just go to our own devices. Just do what, what you can. But, but standing firm in the faith, standing firm in the Lord, that's what... Paul said, now we really live. We are, we, man, this is like, this has made my day. This has given me a fresh life, fresh hope, fresh strength. I want to look at a few verses that, that speak to this in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because this was important to Paul, and he, and he mentions it quite a few times. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 58, he says to the Corinthians, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, stand firm. He got the word back about the Thessalonians. They were standing firm in the Lord. Paul is telling the, the, the Corinthians, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. And when he says, don't let anything, let nothing move you, he means nothing. Don't let the pressures of this life, don't let the, the, the things of this world, don't let the enemy, don't let your own feelings move you from holding on to that trust in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of stuff that can, that, that can be used to, to take us away from that. But he says, don't let it. Don't, don't let it take you away from that standing firm. My dear brothers and sisters. How about the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 13. He says this, be on your guard. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. 
Be on your guard. Watch out. Watch out the trials of this life. Watch out the stuff. Watch out your own flesh. Watch out the stuff in this world. You know, the, the battles that we face to, to take us away from our faith. Stand firm. Be on your guard and watch out. Don't be surprised that this is part of the battle that we face. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. And one more, the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is very encouraging because it takes it to a whole new level. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Look what it says there. Now it is who? God. Who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Isn't that cool? It's not like we have to do it ourselves. We need to look to Him in faith and trust. He anointed us. He set His seal of ownership on us. He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He says, I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith that you stand firm. It's God who makes us stand firm. It's our trusting in Him. He's the only one that can do it. I can't do it. I can't just, you know, pull myself, myself up by the bootstraps and, and, and make myself this strong believer. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. The kid song, kid song says that my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. I've got this puzzle in my little basement office. And uh, we've had this thing for years and years since our kids, but it's a picture of Mr. T. You all know who Mr. T is? And he's going like this. You know, he, his are almost as big as mine. Um, muscles, but I, I'm not going to show them to you right now, but I don't want to, you know, impress you too much. But, but my, I was down there yesterday, and my little granddaughter comes in. She's banging on the door, and I'm hearing this noise like, what, what, what? She comes in, and, and she's like three. I use that word like. She's not like three. She is three. And uh, she looks at that and she goes, like, what is that guy? Who is, what is that? I said, he's strong. Huh? That's like God is strong, right? And then she left. <laughs> Made a huge impact on her life. <laughs> it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. We need to call upon the Lord. We need to get on our faces. We need to call upon him. God, I, I don't have the strength to do it. So often in the Psalms, he says, my strength, my strength is in the Lord. My, he is my strength. He is my song. It's God who makes both, both us and you stand firm in Christ. Paul knew that when he was writing to the Thessalonians as we turn back there. He knew that. He knew that their faith was in the Lord Jesus, and that's what's going to get us through our faith. He sent to find out about their faith. He found out and they were holding on and their faith was, was holding on to Jesus Christ and they were going to make it through because of faith and trust in the power and the strength of God, not in their own power, not in their own strength. Verse 9, he says, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? How can we thank God enough for you? We can't. We can't thank God enough. 
Can we ever thank God enough? We got Thanksgiving, but can we ever can we ever thank God enough? He says, you know, all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you. Man. Paul Paul cared about these people. Paul loved these people and they loved him and 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 that is pretty special, I think. But it says in verse 10, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. He was so excited. He was so happy. He had so much joy about them and hearing about how they were doing in their faith. But he still prayed. Why? Aren't they like all set? Isn't everything cool with them? No, he says, he says I still pray. Why? Because we're, we're, we always need more help. Like the, 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 the points from the last time, we, we all need help. We all face trials. We, we're all in a battle. And, and Paul knew that. We always need more. Y'all remember what Jesus said to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Y'all know this passage? But what did he say? But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus said, I'm going to pray for you. That's what's going to make the difference. Satan, you know, he's, he's asking to sift you like wheat, just like wheat. Of course, Peter, you, you have to read the context there. Peter goes, you know, I'm going to be fine, Jesus. You Don't worry about me. And Jesus said, oh, really? Well, that, you know, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows. Oh, no, I would never deny you. Come on, Jesus. Don't you know it's me, Peter? It's exactly the opposite of what we've been talking about here this morning. Paul prayed. And he says, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep praying. Look what he said. I'm going to pray night and day. I'm going to pray earnestly. I'm going to pray specifically. Some points that someone pointed out. So you can't be with people. Sometimes you just can't be. But you can pray. Right? Maybe you can send someone. You know, to, to have those guys go visit uh, my brother is like, it, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, the joy that comes just from knowing those guys are there. That's incredible. That's incredible. One commentator said, when we can serve people no other way, when like Paul we are unwillingly separated from them, there's one thing we can still do. We can pray for them. We can pray for them. That's what Paul did. So how are you doing? <laughs> See? You're supposed to say, I'm glad you asked. And then you come up and talk for about 15 minutes, and the food is all like cold downstairs. And you know, then we go like, I didn't really want to know. I didn't really want to see your home videos <laughs> and your pictures and, you know, hear the stories about your grandkids. It's all the same, you know. I didn't really want to hear all that stuff. But how's your faith doing? That's what I want to know. And that we get to be together. See, we get to do this. You don't have to be here. You get to be here. I get to be here with you. I get to do what I do. I, I, I don't want to ever take it for granted. We get to be here in this nice, warm place. 
We get to, you know, do all the stuff we do, the breaking the bread and prayer and fellowship and God's word. But my challenge to each one of us is, well, really twofold, is that we would care about one another. But like we see in this passage here, we need to stand firm, stand firm in our faith and encourage one another. Stand firm. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's too early to quit. We're going to be home soon. But in the meanwhile, let's stand firm. Stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh Lord and our gracious <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so faithful and that you take care of us and that it's you we adore, like we sang this morning. It's you the praises are for. It's you that takes care of every one of our needs. It's you that, that uh, gives us the cheer and the joy. It's you that get us, get us through the trials and the troubles of this life, and, and you promised they would even come. But you promised that you've overcome the world. And that we can trust you. And you'll never leave us or forsake us. You will never leave us on our own. Father, we come and we, we come to you this morning and we simply say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Can we ever thank you enough? No. But we thank you that you've got us to this point today that we can be breathing and, and walking and, and listening and seeing that we could actually be here together today. Lord, we thank you for that. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we thank you for today. I thank you for uh, my brothers and my sisters that, that uh, we could share this time together today. I don't know about next Sunday. God willing, we'll, we'll be here back again. But I thank you that today we have this opportunity. I thank you. I want to pray as well for this Saturday uh, outreach that we're doing at here in this place where we're bringing in people. Lord, it's a small group, but, but I pray that we could just love those people and see them face to face and just bless them and, and uh, they would just uh, be, be moved by the love that we can give them as we, as we serve them, as we give to them from our bounty. Father, I pray as well this morning for any, any in this room that do not have that faith and trust in Jesus Christ as I want to always give them an opportunity, Lord, to, for, for people here to receive you, to believe and trust in you, to live a life, to give their lives to you and live a life that is, is following after you. Maybe that's you here this morning, if that's you, and, and you, you've heard about Jesus. You want to walk with him. You want to trust him. You want to give your life to him. And it's, it's, it's very simple to do with your heart, with all your heart. You simply open your life and say, Dear Jesus, please, please come in. And please forgive me of my sin. And thank you for the cross that paid the price for my sin. And, and I need help. And I need hope. And so I, I surrender. I surrender to you today. Father, thank you for this day, this beautiful time. Bless our fellowship and breaking of bread downstairs later too. Lord, and, and, and everything else that we need to do today, Lord, uh, uh, watch over us, protect us, Lord, till we can be again face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.